plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hello, everybody. This is John B. with gangreennation.com, and this is another episode of the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Shows available on both iTunes and Audioboom.com, so be sure to subscribe and give it good ratings if you like what you hear. We are here to recap another Jets defeat. The Jets lose on Monday Night Football to the Arizona Cardinals 28-3, and I am flying solo tonight to recap the game. And there are lots of different angles you can hit. Uh, We'll try and hit on all of them. Uh, The first is that I think even the most diehard optimist would have to conclude that the season's over at this point for the Jets. This team is not making the playoffs. Team is now one in five, another blowout loss, another loss where the team isn't competitive. They don't even have a chance to win the game late. You know, I think going back last week was really this team's last stand at one and four. You know, you go one and four, you make the playoffs 6% of the times under, under the current format. Well, here's, Here's an even more daunting figure for you. Is that since 1970, when the AFL and NFL merged, there have been two teams that to make the playoffs after starting one and five. That's not two percent. That's two teams. Two. So I think we can all conclude that the Jets are not going anywhere this season. It's 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 over for this team. And you know, it's not even it's not even a situation where they've lost a bunch of close games, a bunch of unlucky bounces where you feel like the fundamentals may be strong and they may be primed to kind of regress to the mean. And they don't even really have they don't have a type of unit that can carry this team going into the season. Even after week one, you thought it would be the defensive line. It just has not been there this year after that dominant performance against the Bengals tonight. You see plenty of blitzes. And they just could not get a sack. It's it just uh, they got they got one sack, but um, it, it's you just don't know where this defensive what this defensive line was. Do, what's happened to this unit? It's supposed to be a dominant unit. These guys just are not doing what they are paid to do. And I thought they played reasonably well up to, up until last week when they, they did not have much success against the Steelers. But at the end of the day, I'm not even sure you're really paying these guys to play well. I think you're you're paying them to carry this unit, and you know the secondary certainly has its own issues. You know, Buster Screen had a really rough game, multiple penalties, burned a lot, missed some missed tackles. Um, it's you just don't know where to go. You talk about the coaching staff, and I think if you want an area where this coaching staff is failing or at least a concrete area i mean sure i'm sure you can i'm sure you have plenty of suggestions on your end but if you want one concrete area where i just do not understand what the coaching staff is doing is their use of sheldon richardson the way he's being deployed and they're get they're just getting too cute with the way with richardson i understand i i kind of get i i, I kind of get it you know he's this big 300 pound guy who can move very athletic 
So you kind of overthink things. You think, boy, this guy can be a linebacker. We can drop him into coverage. You know, John Gruden made a big deal about how he was lined up at inside linebacker on David Johnson's long touchdown run. I did not, it did not look like that was his gap that Johnson ran through. But at the same time, this guy is such a dominant force when you stick him on the defensive line. I understand that, you know, you, you feel like you have this great toy and you want to deploy him all over the place. So I, I guess I do kind of get it. But, and I, he's a guy, if you coached him up and you trained him to drop into coverage frequently, yeah, I guess he could do a pretty good job and maybe he could confuse the defense now and again. But sometimes it's not about confusing the defense and sometimes it's not about seeing how many different ways you can use a player. Sometimes the best way to use a player is just to play to his strengths and let him do what he does best. And for Sheldon Richardson, that's sticking him on the guard's outside shoulder and letting him overwhelm the interior of that offensive line. You know, let him use his athleticism to overwhelm them. That's what he does well. With a guy like this, you almost are always best off letting him go get the quarterback. If I'm Arizona or if I'm a Jets opponent, I'm happy whenever I see him drop into coverage. There was one play tonight where he's dropping into coverage in the zone against Larry Fitzgerald. I'll take that if I'm Arizona. It's just a microcosm of what's going wrong with this team. I think anybody who's watched this team can understand that it's not a particularly well-coached team. And you just have a... You you get that feeling watching these games. But sometimes you struggle to come up with, con- with concrete examples. That's one right there. I think that's it's the most obvious one. You look at the way this team just has not responded this year after halftime. They just don't seem to have any answers, uh, and which is distressing because of how good this team was in the second half of games last year. It was one of the best second-half teams in the league. They just haven't had any answers this year. You know, you look at Let's look at the offense where Ryan Fitzpatrick throws up another stinker. I mean, I think it's time to cut the cord. I'm not sure whether they're going to do that. Early indications are they're not going to, even though they put Geno Smith in late in the game. And, I mean, look, it was obviously not a very good performance by Geno Smith. He goes out and fumbles, shows bad pocket presence. He had, he was sacked and he fumbled, and he, there was plenty of room for him to step up in that pocket. And then he throws an interception on fourth down. But look, it's one series. He has not had a full week of reps. I mean, it was garbage time. That doesn't really mean a whole lot. And look, I think we all know that the odds of Geno Smith turning this thing around, the odds of Geno Smith playing appreciably better than he's looked in the past, probably not that great. But at this point, what are you doing? I mean, what's the point of continuing to run Ryan Fitzpatrick out there? Like at this point, he's a guy who just needs to sit, if only for his own good, because he looks lost out there right now. He's missing receivers, bad reads, locking onto receivers, missing throws. He just looks like a guy who's out of sorts who could use some time on the bench, and he's not helping the team. Again, I'm not telling you Geno Smith is going to come in and save everything, but at this point, you might as well give Geno you know, four to six weeks, let him work with the first team, let him quarterback this team for an extended stretch, and maybe he surprises you. Maybe he plays his way into a discussion to be part of this team next year. But uh, the team's problems may start with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They go well beyond that. We talked about the coaching. We talked about, you know, we could talk about the offensive line, which was just an abysmal performance by the offensive line in this game against Arizona. Very little room, 
running room opened up. Fitzpatrick was under constant distress. That's not an excuse for Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick played very poorly, but the offensive line didn't show up. This is just a team that's a bad football team right now. There are so many different areas. You can't just pinpoint one. And when the problems are this all-encompassing, you just have to conclude that this is just a very bad football team. And, you know, there, there are many reasons. I think you look at it, the Jets tried to kind of thread the needle this year. They had a bu- they have a bunch of veteran players they brought in. You know, obviously the free agent class of 2015 who came in. I think last year you saw the team spend in a way that kind of made sense. You had guys who fit their roles, you know, whether it be Gilchrist at safety, Buster Screen in the slot. Uh, you know, Revis had a good year. This year, a lot of those guys have seen their play fall and off, fall off. Now you look at the team this year. You look at the way they spent their money in the off season, and it makes much less sense that you know. In addition to the class free agent class of 2015, you look at the class of 2016. Now, 2015, it's really a performance issue. These guys just aren't performing as well. Class of 2016, you kind of scratch your head. Wasn't Matt Forte really brought in to kind of help jumpstart this passing game? Isn't that what you wanted to be him to be? He really has not had much of an impact in this area. You look at Steve McClendon. Yeah, the team nominally replaced Damon Harrison, but let's go back to what we were talking about earlier. Sheldon Richardson's at his best when he plays inside a tackle. And you have Leonard Williams, who's, I mean, may not have had the greatest night tonight, but has had a very good year. He's also a tackle. Why do you need to have a nose tackle? And for all the talent you have on this defense, is that really the best use of the limited funds this team had over the offseason? You know, people talk about a nose tackle being essential, but really, I think... Those are if you if a note, a note tackle may be essential if you don't have guys as talented as Richardson and Williams. Those guys go out and penetrate and they draw double teams organically. The reason a lot of teams have a nose tackle is that it's less expensive and less difficult to just find a big run a big plugger who can eat up a couple blocks. You have guys who can penetrate and beat their guys and draw draw double teams because they p- penetrate and are playmakers. It makes more sense to use them. I just don't understand. I'm not saying Steve McClendon's a bad player, but you just look back at this in retrospect, and even a little bit at the time, you wonder why they decided to utilize their limited resources there. And because and now you got Richardson playing kind of out of position, where the and you, again you got the coaching staff overthinking things, and you know you also can't forget that part of this season is the residue of the just disaster that was the 2014 draft for this team it was john idzik's last draft um yeah i'm not sure whether it got john idzik fired but it shows you the damage idzik did for this team this is the third year for those players this is the you know by this point they should be making an impact you had 12 picks that year and yes most of them were on the third and final day of the draft but Right now, what do you have? You have Calvin Pryor's taking a step back this year. And it's funny with that class because each year you looked at it and you probably said the Jets got one good player out of this draft. It's been a different player every year, though. In 2014, the rookie year, Jason Morrow flashed a little bit. You know, the other guys didn't did not do a whole lot. So you went in saying, all right, Amaro looks like a player. Now, Amaro does nothing after that. 2015, Pryor really emerges as an important cog on the defense. Looks like a legitimate starter. Say, okay, Pryor's my guy. 
This year, Pryor's taken a step back, and I don't think he was terrible against Arizona, but his play has taken a step back. Quincy and Nunwa's emerged. Right now, Quincy and Nunwa looks like the only quality piece out of that draft. And yeah, maybe maybe it was mostly day three picks, but between the third and the fourth rounds, you had four picks, and you've gotten zilch. And I'm not just talking this year. I'm talking period. Dexter McDougal, Shaq Evans, Jalen Saunders, Dakota Dozier. These guys have provided the Jets zero value in these three years. And, you know, you just look back at that draft and you say, man, that's the type of draft where if you really do a good job, I'm not sure what that one draft necessarily puts you into contention, but it gives you a solid base of players to build on. And maybe another, maybe you, you back that up with another good draft. Now you're really talking. The Jets just totally, uh, maybe not totally whiffed because they did get Nunwa out of it, and we'll see maybe Pryor can bounce back, but it's just a wasted opportunity, and it's the kind of thing that still has ramifications for this team today. And that's one of the things that concerns you about this particular team is that they mentioned this during the game, the announcers, that this is a pretty old football team. You don't really have a lot of young players stepping up and that's going to be something that's going to bear watching as the season progresses. That's really what you need to watch. It's amazing that the Jets, it must be the second year of a general manager that's cursed because this is the third straight time that the Jets are having a really bad year during the second year of their general manager's tenure. They went 4-12 in 2007 under Mike Tannenbaum. Two years ago, they were 4-12 and under John Idzik. I don't think things are going to fall quite to those depths. I think that this team is more talented than either of those two teams are. It's not, it doesn't show that way, but you also have to factor in the competition the Jets are playing. There are going to be some games that they'll, they'll win on the schedule. I think they'll beat Cleveland. I think they'll, they'll win at least one against Miami. Uh, they'll probably beat somebody. They'll probably surprise somebody along the way. There's enough talent there to do that. I don't think the Rams are world beaters. I don't I think the Bills are a winnable game in the finale. So I don't think things are going to get quite that bad, but one of the things you have to watch is you have to hope that some young guys start to play better. And in that lost 2007 season, you actually saw some young guys start to emerge down the stretch, whether it was a young Darrell Rivas, whether it was maybe just a couple role players who kind of looked like they started to, were starting to earn their keep, like a Brad Smith. You want That's what you want to see. You want at least to feel like you have a young base of talent that's starting to grow because you have not really seen that this year. And, you know, the Idzik tenure did not help that. Jets are still paying for that. But out of the McCagnan draft picks, and it's still too early to write anybody off, but you haven't seen a lot outside of, you know, Leonard Williams, Darren Lee's flashed here or there. Maybe Jenkins looks has shown you a few signs, but you hope that the McCagnan picks start really emerging you have to think that their playing time is going to go up a little bit you know as the season continues to look more and more hopeless for this team the idea is probably going to transition every team is looking to kind of balance the present and the future the jets are going to have to start looking more at the future if not now then soon so you see young player you probably will at, if not now at some point see young players have their snap totals go up and you'll you'll hope that they at least give you some sort of promise looking forward because right now you have to be worried about both the present and the future of this team things have just not looked good this year and i can what i can tell you is that the 
tickets ticket prices to games near the end of the year are probably going to bottom out. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for great value. And I guess that also applies to games you know, you're not that excited about seeing, because Jets will probably be playing a lot of those. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for the weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you can always find, get the best deal on every ticket, because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, Go to the settings tab and add add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOJets, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOJets today. And I would advise, you know, if you if money is an object with you and, you know, maybe you have some kids, this is the type of year where you can get tickets to a game very cheaply. So I definitely would advise you. And I tell you, when I was a kid, I... Got, went to a couple Jets games when they had awful years, and it was still a lot of fun. Still a lot of fun to see the, the guys in action. And hopefully, you know, you will be seeing those younger players emerge. And I think that probably starts with the quarterback situation where, again, it doesn't sound like the Jets are ready to make a move, but you have to imagine in the next week or two if Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't start playing better. And I know I said that last week. I probably said that two weeks ago. But at some point, something's got to give. I, you know, you thought something gave against the Cardinals. At the end of the day, you're not getting the type of quarterback play you need. You're not getting the defensive play you need. This was supposed to be a top defense. It was supposed to be a great defensive line. The secondary was supposed to be solid, maybe not as good as the line. You're just not getting performance out of anybody, and that's partially on the coaching staff, and it's partially on the players. You know, you're going to need to see improvement going forward. I'm not a big guy who believes in tanking for draft position because, well, think about it. Think about the Jets' recent draft history. Who were some of the least successful players they took? Mark Sanchez, Vernon Golston at the top of the draft. Who were some of the best players they took? Nick Mangold and Muhammad Wilkerson at the bottom of the draft, at the bottom of the first round. You know, this is not like the NBA. You can get a good player anywhere in the first round. I'd rather see this team start to make progress and some of these younger players start to emerge than just see the team totally bottom out because at the end of the day success in the NFL draft depends on whether you know what you're doing it doesn't depend on where you're picking and for the Jets you just need to see some young talent emerge because as they pointed out on the ESPN telecast tonight this team's looking very old and based on what you've seen this year you just don't have a lot of hope for the you don't have a lot of hope for the near term this season's obviously finished and Really, all you can do is hope for the future. The Jets are probably going to have cap space in the offseason. And and that's going to be a uh, reflection of the number of cap casualties they're likely to have. They just are going to have guys that they're not going to want to keep around at their current prices, which will free up a lot of cap space. And 
We'll go through the same rodeo again. They'll probably bring in some more players. You hope that they'll fit the system better. You hope that they'll play better. And maybe 2017 will be brighter for this team because you just really, tonight was, this game was a microcosm of what you've seen all season. You know, bad defense, worse offense. And coaching that really isn't inspiring anybody. Anyway, that'll do it for our show. Thanks for listening. This is John B. with GangGreenNation.com. Part of the, and this is the Locked On Jets part, podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to the show. Give it good reviews on iTunes or Audioboom.com. Until next time, have a great day, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.